You know when you are out and about and you turn off your Wi-Fi and then you get home and six hours later you realize that you're not using your home Wi-Fi and you are using your cellular data? We've got a shortcut in today's episode, a quick tip, if you will, to solve that problem for you. That and other quick tips, shortcuts, Cool stuff found and your questions answered today on Mac Geek Up 943 for Monday, August 29th, 2022. To Mac Geekab, the show, as I said, where we answer your questions, share your tips, share your cool stuff found, share some cool stuff found from us. The goal is, by doing all of this, that we each learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors are plentiful this time. We have LinkedIn jobs at LinkedIn.com slash MGG, where you can post your first job for free. Coda.io slash MGG, where you can go and sign up also for free and Collect all your text and your tables into one document that you can share with your entire team. This is a cool thing. You definitely want to go sign up there and check that out. We'll talk more about that and everything else shortly here. Otherworld Computing with their Akidio Node Titan as well as their Envoy Pro FX at MaxSales.com and NordVPN.com slash MGG where you get uh, one month free with their two-year plan. We'll talk more about all of that shortly here. For now, back here uh, from Podcast Movement in Dallas. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, easy for me to say, here in Durham, New Hampshire, yellow leather, yellow leather. I'm Dave Hamilton. And also back from podcast movement in Texas, um, here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Brown. And back from Daytona Beach, having nothing to do with podcast movement. <laughs> Not this week anyway, it was getting my daughter back to school. But yeah, it's Pilot Pete here in Lee, New Hampshire. And Dave, you know what I noticed? What's that, Pete? For the first time, I didn't come into this show wondering what it was about. What Amazing. could this show possibly be about? That's a great new intro. That sounds good to me. I like Thanks. that. Well, that's going to yeah. be the thing. So whoever's yeah. job it is to do the intro, find a quick tip, find something, share it in the thing. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, that's absolutely. awesome. Speaking of speaking of content, let's go right to it. Let's go to Mike's quick tip. And we will get to the shortcut I mentioned in the, in the show in the beginning there shortly here. Uh, Mike says, when picking up my watch on its charger, I noticed that if I touch the small charging indicator while the watch is in nightstand mode, the charging icon changes to the full percentage charged. New to me. Did anybody else know? I didn't know that, but it totally works. We got this note while we were traveling. I tried it because I use my watch in nightstand mode when I travel. And sure enough, it tells me the percentage. Nice I just fun. always look to try and see if that little green circle was closed. Yeah, exactly. I, that's the thing. And that's probably why it's not showing you the percentage by default, right? Because yeah. all we care about is, is it full, right? Is it is or is it isn't? Yeah. Is it is? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, good stuff. Um. Andrew Woodward in our Discord channel at MacGeekUp.com slash Discord reminds us of a feature that exists in it, certainly iOS 15, and it might even go back further. And that is if you go into settings, messages, and scroll down a bit, this is on your iPhone, uh, there is an option for filter unknown senders. And what that does is it then creates, uh, if you launch messages and look in the upper left, 
you will see a filters option that you can sort of go back to in the navigation. And on iOS 15, you get all messages, known senders and unknown senders. And so you can by default, it's going to be on all messages. Right. So you won't miss anything. But uh, if you go to known senders or unknown senders, then you would just see messages from those iOS 16. Uh, because I'm running the betas, I can tell you adds two more things to this. It adds unread messages and recently deleted. And that unread messages is key because I can't tell you how many times I, you know, look at my phone uh, and see the red badge of some number. And it's like, where is the unread message? And sometimes it's like months back, right? And so uh, finding those. You've never done that to me, Dave. I don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. Uh, now if you don't yet have iOS 16, you can do this on your Mac. If you right click on messages in, you know, in the doc or whatever, it will oftentimes show in, I I say this oftentimes because it's not showing it to me now, uh, but it will show you the name of the person and how many messages or the name of the group and how many messages are unread. And you can click on it if you right click it in the doc and it'll bring you there so that you can process through all these unread messages. But yeah, I like this in, in iOS 16. Now that seems to be the only way though, to highlight or to surface the unread messages view is you have to turn on this filter. Uh, uh, what is it called filter unknown senders, but yeah. So thanks for the heads up, Andrew. And uh, nice, nice to see that iOS 16 is adding some stuff too. I, I, I would also caution if you do this, this, this is going to sound stupid. I'm really not trying to be condescending, but remember that you've done it because <laughs> You will hide from yourself, you know, hey, your pharmacy prescription is ready, your, you know, or your two-factor authentication code you can't seem to find. Yeah. Because those are coming from unrecognized, you know, numbers that are not in your contacts. So not that I've ever done that to myself, but I hear it's really <laughs> bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can totally see where you would, you would, um, you would see that. But yeah. wouldn't you still get a notification for it regardless of? of what filter you are displaying in the messages app itself. I think you do. I, I think you get the notification. Yeah. It's just been, you know, but if the phone's in your pocket or something, of course, the time you get it out and look at it. I, I seem to recall in the past, I, I had done this and then went days without seeing something from an unknown center and went, Oh, gotcha. there it is. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense now. Yep. So I had turned it off, but I have turned it back on and now I have reminded myself, Hey, and you've it, done this. Yeah. You've hit, be aware that you might have hidden it from yourself, something that you That's right. So, and then I think I was holding it up to the camera. I don't know if it's there or not. Yeah. So then once it's there, you have the ability to choose all messages, known senders and unknown senders. Right. So, those, yep. oh, yeah. So those that are watching. Um, yeah, that, that, that's your choice. You can select one of those three. And and again, on, on iOS 16, you get two more. You get unread yeah. messages and recently deleted. So I'm stoked. It's coming soon. It's coming. Yeah, that's oh, right. No. Well, we've got we've uh, we've got that Apple event on the 7th. We will uh, almost certainly be. Well, we will definitely be doing a reaction episode right after the event. Uh, I'm still not sure if I'm going to go to Cupertino or not. So we'll, we'll, we got to figure out exactly when we will be doing that reaction thing, but we'll put it in the calendar at MacGeekUp.com slash calendar. What, uh, John, what are you looking forward to at the, at the event? No idea. No idea. <clears throat> All right. Pete, you I'll got anything surprised. on your, uh, but, um, but oh. as far as the, the, you know, the messages thing that, that 
I'm going to try because, man, I don't know. As of late, I've been getting many messages that my Amazon account is deactivated and my credit card has been deactivated. Got one this this morning. Horrible. It's getting worse. But um, but it sounds like a a, a very similar to silence unknown callers. That's another thing that I enable. And I think this is similar in that you get a notification that the call has been filtered, um, but it won't ring the phone. Which right, 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 right. Is how it should work, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But no, that's a good good tip there, Pete. You don't want to miss important messages. Uh, so yes, we will be doing coverage of the Apple event. Um, Mac Vader in our chat at live.macgeekup.com asks, "Is it a live event?" And I don't I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is that they will be streaming it. But also some people have been invited to attend in person. So it could be similar, though, to the and I hope it is similar to the way they did the WWDC keynote where they invited people to watch in person. uh, But it was the pre-produced video that we have come to know and love through the you know since the covid lockdown started because those are so much better with apple's current team than the we're going to stand on stage and do live presentation thing it you know apple and i say apple's current team both with with some pros and some cons they don't have steve jobs on stage anymore right so they don't have mr charisma but what they do have is a fantastic creative team who puts together these these wonderful I mean these are these are shows these these aren't this isn't just like a keynote like these are well produced shows that Apple creates and in many ways better overall than the keynotes that that we used to see Steve do too I mean we you know we don't get the the charisma of watching Steve Jobs on stage but there's also no dead air you know exactly how things are going to go. You're not waiting for applause. And that's annoying when, you know, an event might take an hour and 45 minutes plus 15 minutes for applause. You know, yeah. So and there's there's no danger that the dog's not going to eat the Alpo, so to speak. Correct. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it is worth, uh, you know, kids ask your parents if you've never seen this, but uh, it is on YouTube. It's worth going back and watching the Steve Jobs introduction, the Apple introduction that Steve uh, you know, was the ringleader for of the iPhone, the original iPhone. That was one of the best live performances I've ever seen in my life. Concerts, it, like put them all together. That was spectacular. And they knew it. Uh, you know, it, it, it was palpable in the room. The amazing thing that we all learned after the fact, or most of us learned after the fact, I suppose some people knew before the fact is that as he was demoing the iPhone, he had to follow a very scripted path because it was nowhere near complete and the, the there were no guardrails up. So if he veered off the path even a little bit, it would have crashed. Oh, damn it. Yeah, exactly. And and evidently or or, or uh, as I'm as it's been told, he had uh, like three or four different iPhones up there because once one went through the path to demo one thing. That was sort of burned before for the rest of the presentation because you couldn't uh, go necessarily go back without running into some memory leaks or, you know, whatever the issues might have been. And so it was like, OK, do this 
on this one, do this on this one, you know, and um, those are very rehearsed. You know, Steve was Steve was a master at presentation. Um, but anyway, I my guess to answer Mac Vader's question, actually, instead of the long winded version I was giving, is that I'm hoping that it is a video that will be watched live with perhaps, you know, an Apple exec coming out in person beforehand, thanking everybody for coming. And now, you know, let's roll tape and, and then presumably a hands-on room afterwards for those in attendance as well. So we will hopefully find out soon. In fact, we will definitely find out soon. Yeah. Hey, I, uh, I teased up. Oh, there's, there is one thing that I'm, I'm not happy about with all the rumors. And that is that there is, it appears as though there's no planned iPhone 14 mini. I am a huge fan of the mini size. I had the 12 mini. I have the 13 mini and I'm, I'm upset about the idea of not being able to buy an iPhone 14 mini, but you know, it's just kind of how it goes. First, I'm a huge fan of the large phones, right? but, but I have a, I have an app that really works well for me for, for scheduling at work. There you go. If I turn it up into the profile view, I'm into the, yeah, landscape, landscape view. view. Yeah, it, it does a nice job for yeah, me yeah. Of, of presenting schedules side by side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah and my guess is I am uh, each has a need. Very much in the minority, but yeah, I've I've always liked the smaller form factor phones, uh, and even iPads. Like the iPad Mini is is also my favorite, and I've got big hands and all that. But I love that I can grip my my you know mini phone with one hand. I can operate it with one hand and. Uh, Right. It's, you know, it's just not the Back same when phones were primarily phones. Yeah. The smaller, the better for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, no, I know I was noticing this morning. In fact, uh, the large one, I've, I've got fairly good size hands and yeah. I can't operate it one handed. Right. With the no, exa- exactly. Yeah. So, all right. I, uh, I teased up this tip in the intro, but the idea of, uh, and I got this from my son, who evidently has had this shortcut on his phone since high school uh, because he would go to school and the school's Wi-Fi wouldn't let him access anything. And so he would turn off Wi-Fi at school uh, and and then be able to do whatever he needed to do. And then he would get home and realize, oh, I'm still burning data. So what he did was uh, and then taught me to do the same thing. He uh, went into shortcuts and I'm going to go there with us here just so I can make sure I do the, the same one. But it's a very simple shortcut. You go into automation and you create a new shortcut and you make it to trigger when you arrive at home. And then the action is just one action and it is turn Wi-Fi on set Wi-Fi on is that's the set Wi-Fi is the the command that you would use. But. Yeah, and now I, it, it geofences, but your phone's always knowing your location, so that's fine. And as soon as you get home, Wi-Fi is turned back on, regardless of whether you turned it off while you were out. It's now back on the moment you sort of pull into the driveway, or at least that's how it's been for me over the weekend as I've been testing it. It's been it's a great shortcut. So yeah, it's in shortcuts automation at the bottom of the screen on your iPhone is is where you're going to do this. Uh, so shortcuts automation. So I have a question. Yeah, man. Can you set it to more than one geolocation or do you need to do separate shortcuts? For each That's a good geolocation? question. So you go in there, uh, you click the plus sign in the upper right of your automations. You create a personal automation. Uh, you have it arrive when I arrive and you choose your location. So, yeah, I don't think you can. Yeah, it's you would have to set 
you just have to create multiple automations. Yeah. But but the beauty of this is it's not mutually exclusive. Like your 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 Wi-Fi doesn't have to be off for this to work. Right. It will just run and it will turn your Wi-Fi on. And if it's Whatever already on, it's within that fence Then it stays on. Yeah. So create them for you know, if you've got a vacation home or, uh, you know, even your workplace, if you like want to make sure that you've got your, you know, your Wi-Fi on at work. Because, um, I, I mean, it is often for me that I will turn off Wi-Fi when I'm out and about somewhere when there's some craptastical Wi-Fi network that appears strong and actually has nothing, you know, and then and then I forget. So, yeah, great little shortcut. So thanks. Lucas. How does it know where home is? You set it for your current location. Like ah. when you go in, if you if you follow along, you go to, you know, add automation, create personal automation, arrive, and then it uh, it asks you, it says, you know, choose a location and uh, and then you just tap choose and you can choose current location or you can type an address in. So I, yeah. I just I mean, I, I created it while I was at home. So all hey, I had to do is not true. You know, the phone is listening. That's no, we're going to talk about that. I don't think the phone's listening, Pete. We've had this conversation. I know it is. I I, I know you're wrong, <laughs> Pete. Every you time ignorant. I turn on wait, the wait, no. switch. I know the phone hears me. And <laughs> Pete, you ignorant. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Where do we go from here? All right. Other world computing is up first here today. And the first thing we get to talk about is OWC's Envoy Pro FX. This is a bus powered Thunderbolt portable NVMe SSD speeds up to 2800 megabytes per second. A great form factor. It feels good in your hand. It looks good on your desk. It looks good next to your laptop in a travel scenario. They've got sizes that go from 240 gigs for 219 up to four terabytes for $8.99. Great stuff. I've got one of these. You're definitely going to want to check this out. Also, the Akitio, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Node Titan. This is a plug-and-play Thunderbolt 3 external GPU, right? eGPU. Gamers want them. Video editors want them. Creative professionals want them. Up to 6.4 times higher FPS. You can jump from 10.1 FPS to 65 FPS and enable that 1080p gaming or up to 20 times faster effects and renders. Save time and money with accelerated effects, renders, and computation in pro apps and games. This thing is cool. Prices range from the Add Your Own Chassis for $249 up to the Radeon RX 6800 XT for $1799. And there's a $699 option in the middle there with the RX 6600 XT. You're going to want to check it out. Like John and I do, make sure you visit MacSales.com when you need to add something to your Mac. You won't be disappointed. And a thanks, a huge thanks to Otherworld Computing for sponsoring this episode. You know what's great? Being able to work from anywhere. John and I were just away last week. We know that. We just need our laptop and decent Wi-Fi. You know what's not so great? Being spread out across the country and trying to keep the team on the same page and focused on tasks. And this is why we love Coda, because it's all about the page. With teams working all across the country, if your best work is spread out across multiple documents and spreadsheets and a stack of workflow tools you have to jump in and out of all day, then you need Coda too, because this is the one doc that brings it all together. Coda is endlessly customizable and connected. There are templates for anything and everything. You want a product roadmap, you want remote onboarding, you want a goal tracker, you want meeting notes, you want a place to 
track questions from your audience, right? You name it, Coda has it. Coda adapts to growing teams and changing strategies. It can help change how you view information depending on what you need to do with it. And perhaps most importantly, Coda seamlessly integrates with all the tools you need because everything in Coda is synced. Make an update in a table and it automatically shows up for everybody. No more relying on copy paste and all that stuff. With Coda, you can solve for just about anything. And right now, you can get started having your team all working together on the same page for free. Yep, for free. Head over to coda.io slash MGG. That's C-O-D-A dot I-O to get started for free. Coda.io slash MGG. And our thanks to Coda for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, you want to take us to our first question of the day from listener Dave? Sure. So Dave actually gave us a nice list here. So let's go through the list. Okay. <laughs> Longtime listener. Keep up the A-plus work. Thank you. You make all of our lives easier and you keep the fun rolling with tech advice and humor. We try. Um, always learning at least four new things. <laughs> but let's get to the question. So I have an odd one for you. When starting my iMac, I am often asked to give security permissions to my various apps for all the regular permissions, such as full disk access, accessibility, etc., the issue I have, of course, is that I've re I've already given those permissions to the apps. The checkboxes are already checked. Bartender, text expander, magnet, you name it. They're sure I haven't when I have. Um, if I go to system preferences, security and privacy, and all the apps asking for permission, have it. So take a deep breath. Here's what I did to try to fix it. First, this started on my Intel iMac. I'm now using an M1 iMac. Congratulations. Same problem. I use Migration Assistant. Uh, so to avoid uh, corrupt cruft, I made a new user account and started fresh. I even deleted my old user account. It took hours. No joy. I tried Onyx maintenance scripts, SafeBoot, repair disk permissions and disk utility. No joy. And here's the real kicker. Sometimes, if you can believe... I'm even asked to give permissions, and there are zero apps listed in the security and privacy privacy section. Um, it's as if I have no apps installed on my computer. Uh, uh, John, it's like you say, the computer is lying to me. <laughs> and yes, this happens on restarts maybe 50 to 75% of the time, but not 100%. I have not done a PRAM reset. Uh, but really, this happened with two different computers, scratching all parts of my bald head. Would love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> um, there's only one thing that he didn't try. So the, the steps that you had done are uh, ones that I would have done as well. Um, but it sounds like a system level thing, Dave. And the only thing I can think of when you're running into weird system behavior is reinstall the OS. And hmm. so there's an article uh, that we'll link to, and I sent it to him. How to reinstall Mac OS. Um, my guess is that it will overwrite whatever is broken by reinstalling the OS, but that's the only thing I can think of. What, what do you think? So as, as I'm hearing this, and even as I was reading it, the first time I 
my question is, is this, is this problem more than just this one symptom? Because there are times when an app thinks it needs permissions, like during the launch process of an app, right? It thinks, oh, I don't have full disk access. I've got to, you know, I, I need to throw up the alert and let the user know. When in reality, the app does have full disk access. It just couldn't see it or didn't get the answer back from the OS in time. And therefore, it assumed it didn't and it throws up the alert. So clearly it's happening, you know, on an on, on multiple apps. And it's happening far more frequently than I've ever seen this. But I have seen this where it, it throws up that alert and it's like, oh, you need, you know, I need screen recording access or I need full disk access or, you know, one of those various things. And it's like, yeah, it's already checked. Like you're, you're fine. Um, and so, yes, I agree. It's a system level thing. I don't think changing the, if, if, if this is deeper than the symptom, I don't think changing the user account would fix it. However, I'm not convinced that, we're dealing with more than just the symptom. I don't mean to be dismissive of it. It shouldn't be happening anyway. And the fact that it's happening for multiple apps is a lot, but I guess my, my question is, does the app in the end, without you doing anything, does the app have that full disk access when it comes to the time where it actually needs it to use it? And is it only throwing up the alert erroneously at launch or is there something more to it? Uh, but you know, that, that would be my, that would be my question. So I have an observation and yeah, a question. Man. The observation is that he, at least if I'm reading the question correctly, he created the new user account and deleted the old one after using migration assistant. Yeah. So, so that gets to John's answer, which is, yeah, it's, it's system level. There's, there's something deep in there. Yeah. Is, is there, some kind of a are there is there a permissions file somewhere in there that he can delete and have the OS reconstitute on login? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, it, I yeah. I'm looking. Did he say he tried using Onyx's maintenance scripts? Yeah. Okay. Well, the maintenance scripts are different than the cleaning scripts in Onyx. Yeah. So, like, you might want to do more with Onyx. Uh, create like. Honestly, the thing that comes to mind, John, and it is a system level thing is the launch services database. Like maybe there's something I know when that gets corrupted, it can take apps longer to launch. It can put you in that that cycle where it's always like authenticating the app before it launched, like all of those things. So and I know Onyx in the cleaning part, not necessarily the maintenance part, will let you, you know, like delete and force a rebuild of the launch services database. That might be the thing. That's, that's certainly that in the, if I were there, what would I do next department? That would be it. Mm -hmm. And he says he didn't reset the PRAM or, and I'm assuming the NVRAM. I know it sounds silly, but it's amazing what that will fix. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So fascinating. Yeah. Uh, if anybody has any thoughts on this, you know, if you've seen it before and solved it, feedback at MacGeekab.com will get you, uh, that's, that's how, that's how we get this stuff. That John, and our discord said, channel. John, I think he said feedback at MacGeekab.com. Mm, I don't know about that. I think he said feedback at MacGeekab.com. Okay. Well, hey, we'll have to agree to disagree. 
Hey, Pete, I'm going to ask you an important question, and this is a bit of a detour in the show. Can you tap your microphone a couple times for me? Yeah, you're not using that microphone. Can oh, you tell us? No, oh, believe it or not, your audio, it sounds pretty good, but it's on the internal mic of your thing. Uh, you have to hmm. click the, the yeah, settings in StreamYard and change it. Uh, according, according to StreamYard, I'm on my, uh, really? on my USB mic. Tap it again? Let me try something. There's a second one. There it is. There it is. So there's two. I've, remember, I've got two USB mics now. Yeah. Okay. That, you sound much better. It's a hotter signal, which is sort of what I was having trouble with here. So thanks for thanks for letting us have that detour, folks. I appreciate it. Uh, Cindy in Indy has a, a question for us. While browsing the web, I'm getting t- so tired of seeing ads and follow us links that can only be targeted targeting me from either conversations I have had, which we all know is happening, or even more bothersome gasp from podcasts I listen to while at my desktop Mac. For instance, I have recently been listening to fantasy football podcasts and not talking about football with anyone. And now my Facebook feed is full of every NFL team and players, sports TV channels, and all things football. Ideally, I would like to apply a keystroke or to completely turn off and on my internal microphone, either through an app, keyboard maestro, Alfred, or whatever geekiness you guys suggest. Okay. Um, I'm going to state, we're going to head down this path in a a variety of ways, but I'm going to state up front that I really don't think that your Mac is listening to you. Because if it were, you would see the little microphone in use, orange light, I'll call it, that sits in between the control center and the clock in the upper right corner of your Mac. That is that that orange light is on when any microphone attached to your Mac is in use and it is not, not there or off when it's not. If something's listening to you, I, I so I really don't think it's your Mac um, for a variety of reasons, which we can get into. But uh, it. If something's listening to you, it might be another device. Like if you have uh, an Amazon Echo unit, the A-Lady in your house, a, a Google device, like those are listening all the time. There are some conjectures out there that they are using that data to do targeting. I'm also not convinced that that's the case because if that actually was happening and it were provable, they would hit, they would be in so much hot water. Like it, it just, it, it would be it, like... It would be terrible for either Imagine of those. Imagine the edge you would start seeing. <laughs> well, yeah, that's number one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't think that that's what's happening. But if it is, you know, you've got those things. I, I we've had this conversation on the show. Um, I It's the, the prediction algorithms for specifically Facebook, but but lots of the, you know, uh, I'll call them retargeting or target ad targeting uh you know, technology has gotten really good and they use a lot of data uh, to point them to know that we would be interested in one topic or another. Football season is gearing up, right? The preseason just ended this past weekend. I think if I'm correct about that, right. The, but right. I I think so. Uh, And, you know, I'm also getting tons of football ads on my feed, and it makes sense because in previous seasons, so a year ago or, you know, eight months ago, whatever it was, I've interacted with these things. I might have even posted things about, you know, a certain team or another. And so Facebook doesn't forget that stuff just because it wasn't in the last two days. 
In fact, they, you know, they have a whole profile. They know all the things I'm into. They probably know more about me accurately than I do about me, you know, and I'm somebody who prioritizes self-awareness. But I like I think that's probably why you're getting all these football ads is it's the right time of the season and all of the TV streaming companies are trying to win your business uh, by telling you, hey, you know, if you cut the cord, you can still watch sports here. You know, like it makes sense that this is the time to spend tons of money and attention on these things, especially targeting people that they know who in the past have done it. All that said, the question is super interesting to me. Uh, you know, how do you ensure the microphone is muted, right? With your camera, you can put a, uh, you know, a slider or black tape or whatever you want over it and know that the camera is definitely not going to be viewing you. Like it can't, you know, we understand the way light works. Okay. But with sound, you know, you might be able to figure out where the mic is on your, whichever computer you have and put a you know piece of tape over it, but that's only going to muffle it. You know, you're not going to stop the microphone from listening. So how do you ensure that, your Mac can't hear you. And the answer is there's no direct way, but I have discovered a workaround in the past. And what I've done is I go into, if I want to make sure that it's never even for a second going to accidentally, you know, capture the audio in a, you know, a room or something, I will go in and select a non microphone audio input device. So if you happen to have like, for example, a Thunderbolt dock that has a microphone jack on it, you can select that audio input device. But if there's nothing plugged into it, you're not going to get any sound. I mean, it, you might get some like very, very, you know, low volume hum or something. But even that shouldn't happen if there's nothing plugged into it. So but it's certainly not going to be picking up audio from the room. If you don't have one of those things, you can install something that will let you create a virtual audio device. Uh, Black Hole is a free piece of software that will create either a two-channel or a 16-channel virtual device and just po don't point anything at it, but select that as your sound input and that's going to be, that's it. You know, it's going to get nothing. Or Loopback is a paid product that does the same thing, lets you create actually many, many different uh, virtual devices and you can do the same thing. Just select a Loopback session or a Loopback de device. It's a virtual device that has nothing feeding into it. Uh, and then you're good to go. It's not going to, you know, there's no audio to be recorded. Now, that said, just like we found with Pete, your system default input device can be one thing. And a website, for example, StreamYard, as we're using here, can look and see all of your devices and choose a different one. But each app is going to have to ask you in that privacy thing that we were just talking about in system preferences, soon to be settings, but it's still system preferences. Uh, at least as of today, but you go into uh, system preferences, security and privacy and go to microphone. And if you turn off all the things here, well, then apps can't hear your microphone. So I don't know. That's that's my that's my idea. That's my thoughts. John, Pete, thoughts? Uh, um, Cindy, it's listening. It's now listening. I know what that orange dot means. Oh, there you go. See, yeah. learning five things that, that we didn't even know we were teaching. Yeah, it makes sense. I yeah. just saw it. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, but yeah, so I have OWC Thunderbolt 3 audio device and okay. loopback. So if I wanted to muffle. Um, I mean, the other thing is 
most platforms when they show you an ad, you can say, I don't like this. And it'll hopefully um, not do that anymore. So that, right. that's another option. Maybe. But as you alluded, we did discuss it on a previous show. And uh, man, the coin eating is just so strong sometimes. Yeah. It really feels that way. But but again, as you said, they're good at what they do. They've got people with big brains that figure how to get into your pocket and extract, separate you from your wallet. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's ad targeting, right? Like, the, you know, we've got ads on this show that uh, are content targeted, right? They know what the show's about. They know, uh, you know, what type of audience generally would listen to a show like this. And they know generally what you might be interested in, what we all might be. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I say you, but you know, we, I've always said we podcasters assemble or attract audiences uh, that are like-minded, right? We attract like-minded audiences. And, and so like, it's all of us are interested in, in these products at some level. I mean, there's going to be specific things where it's like, oh yeah, that's not for me or whatever, but you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a sensible approach to it. And if you allow people to see more data, which we don't, uh, then they can target even further. And Facebook, by simply by using Facebook, you are allowing them to see your data. They don't even have to see what you do outside of Facebook, although they they tell us that they they have to. And if they don't, it's going to kill small businesses and yada, yada, yada. I don't know. I've been run, running a small business specifically in the advertising world for 23 years and we've gone out of our way much to our the 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 much to the the, the downside of our our bottom line to not let people be tracked and it works out fine you know we have a decent living here so you know i was going to say you know i'm guessing it's still effective else the ad revenue would have dried up years ago so. years ago yeah yeah there but there is like a, a lot of the conversations i had last week at podcast movement are from you know the, the there's a lot of desire for us to let them track you and thus far we have never allowed that to happen and i if we ever if we ever even consider that we will let you know but uh and we will we will probably put in fact i will i will say it now we will put out a separate episode that tells you from this point forward you are going to it's but the but I don't think that day is ever going to come. It would be a pretty dire scenario where we would say, listen, and we would explain why we're doing it I, at this point. I can't. I mean, I can imagine it would be like, hey, it's either this or my family has to live in a cardboard box, you know, something like that. It, like that's how as far as it would have to go. But um, but we don't do it, it you know, and, Dave, and Dave, we turn down campaigns all the time, all let, let, the time. Let me ask a rabbit hole question. That yeah, now, man. How is that done on other shows? How do they dig deeper into who's listening and what they're? Yeah. Do you know? I, oh, I do know. Yeah. I'm, I like, <laughs> I did not set Pete up to ask me this question. folks. <laughs> I love answering this question. So the way it's done is through what they call pixel tracking. So, and, and again, I, I you know, I'm, I'm going to use some examples here that are not necessarily correct, right? Because we don't do it here, but if we were to do it, what we would do is, when you in our feed, right, you uh, 
you know, you see, okay, you know, our feed comes from MacGeekUp.com. That's our RSS feed. And you might not even know that your, your podcast listening client's doing this, and that's great. You don't have to. But what happens is you get a feed from us that lists all the episodes and a bunch of metadata. And one of the pieces of metadata is the enclosure URL. And the enclosure is the audio file that you are going to actually listen to. And so instead of just putting the enclosure, the audio file in as the enclosure URL, we would put the URL, a unique URL of uh, to one of these tracking agencies like pod sites or chartable or something. Uh, and it would redirect briefly through their engine and log your IP address and user agent and then redirect you very, very quickly. All, so fast, you wouldn't even notice back to the audio file for that episode. And then you get to download that episode. But that way, pod sites or chartable or one of these companies now has the user agent and IP address of the device that downloaded that episode. And, uh, you know, on the back end, you would, we would presumably go in or the advertiser would go in and say, okay, well, you know, we've got these sponsors in the, uh, you know, in the episode. And then what they would do is put a tracking pixel on the website of the sponsor that they wanted to track. Uh, and again, I'm not going to use any names cause I, off the top of my head, I can't think of, I know there's lots of companies that do this, but I can't think of one cause we don't work it in this way. So, uh, but they would put a tracking pixel on the website. That's just like a, you know, one by one image that you don't see. And that would also capture IP address and user agent. And so now the idea, and I know a lot of you that know about how Apple does things are saying, well, this isn't going to work anyway. And you're right. Uh, but the industry doesn't want to know that. But they say, OK, well, we've got user agent and IP address from the download. We've got user agent and IP address from the visit to the website. And so now we can put those together and say, yes, this podcast delivered people. And it, even if you don't use our coupon code or anything like that, they could know that we sent you there. And on the surface, this sounds great. And I have to tell you, the first time I heard it 17 years ago. It did sound great. And we said yes. And it was at the Mac Observer. Uh, it had nothing to do with podcasts. Ziff Davis came to us and said, uh, you know, you've, you've got these banner ads. We know that your clients are obsessed with how many people are clicking on them. We know that you know that people are seeing the banner ads even if they don't click. We have a way of associating this by using this pixel tracking. And OK, great. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Fast forward. Maybe you've you know, 12 years from there. And we realize how irresponsible we humans are when we have access to this type of data and now GDPR and CCPA and all of those other things to protect our privacy exist. Uh, and so when they approached us and literally asked us the same question with the podcast, you know, four years ago or something, we were like, uh, no, what are you, are you high? Like what, what you don't know what, like, we're really going to make the same mistake again, aren't we? And it appears as though the answer is yes. Since then, two very interesting things, uh, well, many interesting things have happened, Pete. One of them is that the two, there are, there are about five companies that, that, uh, that, that do this tracking, right? Mm -hmm. And pod sites and chartable are one of them. There's a company called Barometric. There's a couple others. And uh, they've all promised in their own ways that they would never share this data outside because what, what could happen is this is Mac Geek Gab, but let's say this was Bipolar Weekly, right? 
And then you go and you buy a, you know, a something from somewhere that they have to ship to you. Right. And now you've, you've let them, uh, capture your IP address on, on both sides. And they were successfully able to tie it together. And now you've given your name, your phone number, your address to the advertiser to ship you the thing. And in theory, all of that discreet package, of course, (laughs) right? Yeah, a discreet package. Exactly. Yeah, but but that even if it was just something like like a mattress or something, right? You know, it doesn't matter anymore. They've got your address and they and your name, and they know that you are a listener to you know Bipolar Weekly, which one could presume means that either you suffer from this or a family member does, and now you go and apply for a job, and your employer or insurance, right? And your employer. Take your potential employer takes a look at, you know, some database to protect employers from, you know, incurring huge medical expenses or whatever. And it says that person is flagged. Great. You don't get the job. This and you didn't even know that you opted in in the first place on the podcast. That is my issue with this is if you if there was some way for you to opt in, but you don't even know what's happening. And so that's that's the issue. Pod sites and chartable on the same day, about uh, 18 months ago were acquired by Spotify. Now, if I can tell you something about acquisitions, folks, if you need technology, you don't buy two competitors. You pick the best one and you buy that one. So the only reason to buy two competitors is to have all the data because now they're still not lying. They've said they're not going to share this data outside of their company. Well, their company is now Spotify. So Spotify has pod sites data. They have chartables data. And they have Spotify's data. Wow. So (laughs) I know it was a loaded question that you didn't know was loaded, Pete. I'm happy. Well, I knew it was bad. I mean, you know, I've listened to there's one called security now. I listen to that occasionally. And I know there's, you know, single pixel embeds and that sort of thing. And, you know, I knew it was tricky. Yeah. uh, And sneaky. But uh, but yeah, that's. Now, here's here's the nice part. There's two things that you folks should know as podcast listeners. Again, you don't have to worry about this podcast. You don't have to worry about any of the podcasts I do or any of them under the Backbeat Media umbrella. Uh, However, there's lots of podcasts out there, and I'm sure you listen to more than just this one. Overcast, the podcast client that Marco Arment creates, puts a little privacy uh, icon in the listing for every single show, and you can tap that. And it will tell you what redirects are being used and what those redirects are generally used for. Now, you might see one that says analytics. Okay, well, that's fine. Maybe you got to decide what you're comfortable with. But the tracking is the thing that you want to look out for. So that's one thing. Now, even if you don't use that, though, you're still protected. Why? Because of Safari's uh, IP address protection. Because when the tracking pixel loads in Safari, so they're definitely going to get it from you on the podcast side, right? That, that, like, that's going to happen because that's happening through an app and it's happening over HTTPS. So Apple's, uh, you know, obfuscation efforts are, are su- su- suppressed for that. But in Safari, regardless of whether it's HTTPS or not, when that tracking pixel loads, Apple is going to obscure both the user agent and the IP address, uh, to protect against exactly this. And when I tell this to people in the podcast industry, they're like, oh, well, then why do you care? I'm like, well, I care, A, because I don't want my users tracked, even though they can't be tracked the second time. But B, my numbers are going to look worse because you're not going to see any conversions 
because you can't match the two together. The one on the Safari side is obscured. The one on the podcast side is not. So there's never going to be a matched IP address between the two. And you're going to you're going to ding me for uh, a show that's not performing, even though it is. And then you're not going to you know want to buy ads for me. So, yeah. Anyway. Can you so tell I'm trying to force everybody down that path anyway? They are. Absolutely. Yeah, we probably turned away. 30% more business in 2022 because we do not choose to participate in that. And, and my guess is that number will go up before yeah. it, before it all sort of, I mean, it's going to fall apart. It fell apart on the web. Look at how, I mean, every browser is moving towards some version of, of, you know, cookie-less experience because of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it's, I know the future of this because we're living it. It's just, yeah. it baffles me that nobody wants to talk about this. But anyway, yeah. I, thanks for taking eight minutes with us. I'm sorry. <laughs> JP, speaking of privacy, why don't we let JP ask the next thing? I know it's here somewhere. Did I not put it in there? Oh, there it is. I found it. I got it. Yeah. Let's go, Push JP. BPN. Gentlemen of the Geek Gap, it's JP on the road. Uh, here's an annoying stuff found. It'll be quick. I use AirDrop all the time when I'm uh, transferring photos uh, to my laptop, to catalog, etc. And uh, I use a VPN when I am uh, not in my home network. So if you're at a hotel or a coffee shop, you definitely want a VPN on. However, the VPN will block AirDrop uh, from your iPhone to your computer or, or vice versa. So every time I'm needing to do that, I have to turn the VPN off, and then all of a sudden, magically, the the airdrop will go through, and then I turn it back on. Uh, there's a moment of uh, anxiety when I do this, but uh, it's the only way around not plugging a cable in and pulling them off with image capture. So, uh, just thought I'd pass that on. Thanks, JP. I'm going to cut you off because we don't want to hear your road noise anymore. No offense, my friend, uh, but but you got us there. So thank you. Uh, I tried this today. I'm curious what VPN JP uses because I tried this today with both NordVPN and private Internet access in my office with VPNs on my iPhone, my Mac, every permutation thereof and AirDrop with default settings on all of these VPNs. AirDrop worked a hundred percent fine. Like I was able to send pictures back and forth exactly what he was trying to do and no issue with it whatsoever. So it, I don't know what VPN he's using and I don't know how he is uh, configuring that, but most VPNs will let you talk to the, um, the local network in that way. Uh, and yeah, so I'm I'm not sure what it is, but I figured I'd share this out there and and offer that at least you know private internet access and NordVPN will do that. Yeah, Pete. Yeah, yeah. I I have to respectfully disagree with JP as well because uh, for instance, when I'm not even on a network, say when I'm off the flight deck during a break, we're able to share photos and contacts and that sort of thing via AirDrop. Uh, you know, in the airplane, no network connected at all. Right. So it, it's it's just using the Bluetooth and and uh, you do have to have Wi-Fi on, I guess. So it does. 
in order for AirDrop to work. You need Bluetooth and Wi-Fi both on. I, and I wonder if that's part of it. Yeah, because you do need both of those things. Uh, and maybe if he has Bluetooth off and only Wi-Fi on and the VPN, like maybe there is yeah. some permutation of this. But yeah, because yeah. when I read that question, I tried the same thing. I made sure my VPN on my laptop was connected to one yeah. server and yeah. my VPN on my phone was connected to a separate server. And oh, amazing. It and and it still worked. Amazing. So, yeah. 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 So I don't know what it is, but I respect. I mean, I disagree that it's the VPN that's causing it. Although it's weird that he turns it off and it works. That that's the thing is is like the the limited, and we all. And I don't mean to be disrespectful of of JP's troubleshooting efforts. We all are. Whenever we are troubleshooting, we are always using a limited set of data that may not include an important factor. But we generally stop collecting data when we feel. Like we have an answer, <laughs> you know, well, and my keys were in the last place I looked. Well, it, because you found them. Yeah. You didn't look in the other places. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. And I think on this one, there's more to it. But yes, the whole Bluetooth uh, Kiwi Graham in our chat room says that AirDrop d- uses Bluetooth for discovery and Wi-Fi for transfer. And I, I think I am correct in adding clarity to that by saying ad hoc wi-fi for transfer meaning that it uh, is it 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 doesn't use your like routers wi-fi connection it uses just an ad hoc connection between those two devices to do it now if bluetooth is off on one of those devices maybe it does use wi-fi as a fallback for discovery and then the vpn because it's it, it can't see it would would be an issue um uh, and so it can't even, it doesn't even know to start that ad hoc connection. So, uh, and by ad hoc, I, yeah, I mean, peer to peer, which, uh, Brian Rowe in the, in the chat also clarifies. So that's what I got. John, you have, uh, you have anything to add to this, um, my friend? You, you may want to check your airdrop settings. Mm. Now, oh, how yeah. do you do that? You may ask. John, how do you do, do that? that? <laughs> Um, so I just checked this out. So, um, system preferences, dock and menu bar, and there's an airdrop entry. Okay. And you can even see the, um, the settings. If you say show in menu bar, there's a little checkbox. You'll then get a happy little icon in your menu bar. And if you click on that, it'll show the airdrop status, which is either on or off. But then there's a setting which you may want to fiddle with. Um, you can have it set to contacts only, which is what I'm set up for, or everyone. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend everyone because <laughs> you could get um, unsolicited airdrop yes. requests. Yes, and I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Yeah, nobody wants unsolicited airdrop requests. So. Yeah, <laughs> well, some people probably do. maybe. You know what? That's true. Who are we to judge? Yeah, yeah. Make your life more exciting. Um, I, I've, I've turned it on, on some of my devices, like specifically the iPad that I use for, uh, for like in the theater for reading music charts, we airdrop stuff to each other all the time. And, and I say in the theater, which is true because I just finished doing a run of Rocky horror, but I also use that same iPad with bandmates and stuff. While most of them are in my contacts, if I'm at a rehearsal, with someone else and they want to airdrop me a chart or something, 
I've found like if I, you know, if it's like some bass player I've never met before and he's like, oh, I'll airdrop you the chart. Well, I'm not going to show up for him if I have it set to contacts only. So like that one device I have set to everyone and it's worked out great for me. But uh, but theoretically, I could be in the middle of a show and somebody in the, you know, in the crowd could try to airdrop me something. Hopefully that doesn't happen at a critical moment. <laughs> Is that like in the uh, old days for the groupies? No, never mind. <laughs> no, it's very, very, very. I'm going to airdrop you. Uh... All right. Hey, we've been talking a lot about VPNs on the show. Are you missing out on your favorite TV show because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, we've got an option for you. NordVPN. If you're bored of U.S. Netflix, why not take it for a spin in the U.K.? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. And Nord has over 5,000 server options, so no show is out of your reach. You can use our link, nordvpn.com slash MGG. And when you use that nordvpn.com slash MGG link, you receive a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive malware and all that stuff. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. And there's literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll refund you, and you can pretend it never happened. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash mgg to get your subscription started, your 30-day money-back guarantee, your bonus. Our thanks to Nord for doing what they do and sponsoring this episode. All right. As we all gear up for fall, we need the right people on our teams to help our small businesses fire on all cylinders. And our sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs, is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk with faster and for free. We just got back from Podcast Movement, where the whole Backbeat Media team, including Sadie, was there. Sadie has been instrumental in helping us grow the show, helping bring in some of you. She's helping coordinate all those promo swaps and other promotions we're doing you could go find yourself your own Sadie. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then you add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk with faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MGG. That's linkedin.com slash MGG to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply and our thanks to LinkedIn for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, we talked in episode 941. In fact, our intro subject was 
you know, a 30 minute detour or tour into HDMI and sound and all of that. And we got some great follow ups from folks. So you want to start us with Carl on that one, please? Absolutely. And then I'll tell you how I fixed it. Great. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, Yeah, yeah. So uh, Carl says, you seemed a little confused on today's show with John's new TV concerning ARC. ARC stands for Audio Return Channel. It's basically a two-way street for audio to travel on. It can be used one of two ways. Option number one, plug everything into your AV receiver first and run one HDMI cable from the HDMI ARC port on the AVR, sometimes labeled HDMI out, to the HDMI ARC port on the TV. This will allow all audio to be handled by the AVR and video to be sent to the TV. This will also allow for audio to be sent from the TV, such as OTA antenna, uh, over-the-air antenna, and built-in apps back to the AVR to be heard on the AVR speakers. Again, ARC is a two-way street to carry audio back and forth from the TV to the AVR. This will allow you to switch between inputs on the AVR. Option number two, plug everything into your TV first, then run one HDMI cable from the HDMI ARC port from the TV to the HDMI ARC port on the AVR, sometimes labeled HDMI out. This will allow the TV to handle video while high-end audio is passed on to the AVR. This will allow you to switch between inputs on the TV. The only one problem with this setup is you might be limited to the amount of devices you can plug into your TV. Most higher-end TVs have four HDMI inputs, but if you do this setup, you'll be limited to only three, as you will lose the fourth port because it's now dealing with audio. So, thank you, Carl. Um, And here's what I did to solve my problem, Dave. Um, You know, when things just aren't working, so my problem was... It would keep coming up and saying uh, LPCM48 or something. It wasn't doing Dolby uh, or DTS. And that was aggravating because. But also like ARC wasn't working at all. You couldn't get like you when you plugged an HDMI cable in your your AVR, your receiver wouldn't wouldn't even see the the input signal. Right. Correct. Okay. Um, So here's how I solve the problem. Um. I did a factory reset on both my receiver and my TV. Okay. And did that, was that alone the solution? I, I'm, I'm prompting you no, because you no. did another so, thing so, too. So since I did that reset, here's what I had to do then. So one, I had to enable ARC on my receiver. Um, by default, it's off. Got it. So I had to turn that on. I also had to redefine... The speaker layout. Oh, because you um, had because you had factor reset it. Sure. Yeah. Right. Because the thing is, I have two front and two rear speakers. Um, Here's something else that I learned. Um, If your speaker configuration is wrong. So I I found the menu where you define it. And I said two by two, which is what I have. Um, You don't get a center channel. Right. (laughs) So I was playing back all this TV and there was no dialogue. And I'm like, oh, now what's wrong? And I'm like, oh, that's right. I got to reset the sound. All right, but I'm going to I'm going to poke here again because there's there's I think you've buried the lead. There is one piece of equipment that you replaced that allowed you to enable HDMI arc. (laughs) It's your cable, right? You replaced the HDMI cable. Yes. And that's the the third part is you need to use a quality cable. 
That. And among my HDMI cables, I have one. Um, it's an Amazon Basics, but it says Ethernet, so it must be a high quality or high bandwidth cable. That's a that's a good way of looking at it because the cables themselves don't tell you what they are. Most cables don't tell you what they are. I don't think you needed right. to do any. You 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 said that the the last thing you need to do is get a cable. I think that's actually the only thing you needed to do was to have a cable that supported ARC. And my guess is that your TV and your receiver, once you enabled ARC on it, would have been fine. Uh, I, I looked into this and I found uh, I found a chart that details the bandwidth, the audio bandwidth capable uh, of that different cable types are capable of. So previously you were using optical, which is Toslink. The max it will send is 384K per second audio, which is pretty low. It's pretty high when you're talking about a stereo thing, when you're talking about four channels or five channels or six channels, 384, you know, like it starts getting pretty diluted pretty fast. An HDMI arc cable, which I believe is HDMI 1.4 or later, might be 1.3 or later though. So, uh, but it's at least 1.3. Uh, an HDMI arc cable will do one megabit per second, which still isn't a ton, but certainly quite a bit more than your 384K that you get with the optical cable. So in your case, you have the option of HDMI arc on your receiver or optical. And so HDMI arc is going to be much higher quality sound. And then there's HDMI e arc, which is enhanced arc. And that comes in. At a whopping 37 megabits per second. So 37 times what HDMI ARC does. And this is why HDMI eARC is required for Atmos and all of the other like DTSX and, and those those things that uh, that come up. So cables are important. Cables are super important. And it was right after we we did that episode that my my new HDMI 2.1 cables arrived and. I've had some oddness with things over over the last couple of years. That oddness, you know, it's been what two weeks or maybe two and a half weeks since we've uh, since we recorded that episode, which is also the same day I replaced my cables. That oddness has not reared its its ugly head. So making sure you have a cable that is of the right speed is uh, is important. Now, as soon as I got those cables, John, I ordered a five pack from Amazon. I busted out my label maker and I put a label on every one of the cables that says HDMI 2.1 because I had no idea which cables of mine were HDMI 2.1 and which weren't. Uh, I think your Amazon basics cable, the one that says it, it has HDMI and ethernet. I think that means it's at least HDMI 2.0, although it may have been sold to you as an HDMI 1.4 Tom's hardware did a whole test where they were 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 testing the bandwidth of cables uh, in like in practical scenarios, like will it send this kind of audio? And they found that those Amazon Basics cables uh, that said that were sold years ago as HDMI 1.4 actually can support up to 2.1, no problem. So, um, so it's mm-hmm. it's a weird thing. But listener Glenn had uh, had another suggestion for us, didn't he, John? Um, yes. Okay, let's see. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's aggravating that they, um, <laughs> they don't label their cables. But, no one um, does. Here's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, Ethernet cables, you know, they, they have different speeds, and they put usually what 
class of cable it is. So I don't know why they don't do it on HDMI. Yep. Um, uh, so Glenn says, um, we were talking about HDMI speed testers um, uh, when I listened to the most recent episode. So I looked for one and found the following. Um, all from Amazon. So, um, yeah, he basically sent us links to uh, HDMI speed testers that'll tell you how fast your cable can go. So Amazing. And they're, and they're not one of terribly these. expensive. Like the, the first one we found is like 30 bucks. So it's not like it's, you know, a, a terrible, I mean, nobody wants to have to spend 30 bucks, but you know, it's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So we'll, we'll put a couple of these. There's one from science tech and one from parts express. Um, but yeah, fun stuff. Yeah. Fun it's, stuff. yeah it's so frustrating that, uh, you know, nothing, nothing changes. Uh, except the internals and you have no way to tell that you now have an obsolete cable. Yeah. You have no idea what you're doing. That's right. Yeah. And you can also, your Apple TV will in a limited way, allow you to test cables. Uh, You plug everything in, you know, as you, as you're supposed to. And then if you go into the settings and I forget where it is, uh, but it's in like the audio and video, you know, section of the Apple TV settings, and it has an HDMI cable test and it will just send all types of different data across the cable and tell you if it succeeded. And essentially you get a, from what I've seen, you get a binary answer, right? It's either, yes, this is great, which is what I've gotten or uh, no, it's not. You need something faster. So uh, there is one that Glenn sent us though, that appears to be a $1,200 uh, tester pattern generator, all of the above. So, uh, you know, you can, you can evidently you can spend as much as you want on, on these as you can with pretty much everything else. So, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm not going to buy the, I don't think I'm going to buy any of these. I'm just going to buy HDMI 2.1 cables and use my label maker to put stuff on. Them. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's where I'm going with it, guys. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and then we have a follow-up here, Dave, which yeah, I man. think is useful. Um, there's another reason you may want to buy new cables. And uh, Allison wrote in and said, when Dave brought up changing out your cables to solve some problem, I wanted to give you another incentive to buy new ones. And it's high-definition copy protection, otherwise known as HDCP. Uh, when we bought a new receiver a few years ago, we had to buy all new HDMI cables. HDMI 2.1 had just come out because there was content we simply could not play until we updated them because of HDCP 2.2. You may not run into this with your setup, but we did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had that come up a couple of times with my Apple TV. It said unable to negotiate HDCP, and then I clicked on OK, and then the problem went away. So, interesting. But, um, the only place I ever had that come up was when I was trying to use the Slingbox years ago before I went to a cable streaming television service. Um, I'm sorry about that. I'm curious to see. Yeah, now that we've got you on the right mic, we might regret it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm curious to see, John, if your HDCP problems ever come back because clearly you were using non. Uh, you know, you, using HDMI, you know, 1.2 or older cables with 
with your setup. And so like that could very much be the cause of, of your issue. So, yeah, I will, I will put a, uh, I'll put a link in, in the show notes also to my, the, the five pack, I think it was a five, yeah, five pack of, there, there were mono prices cables, but they're HDMI 2.1. Another way of looking for cables is that they are 8K certified. That's what HDMI 2.1 is is for. 48 gigabits per second is another thing. But um, um, so, yeah. And don't buy more than you need. Maybe one, but I've got a whole box of <laughs> mono price cables in the basement, which yeah. I'm sure are 1.2s. I, I knew I needed four. And so the five pack was just economically the right thing to do. Uh, but also it leaves me with a spare. Although in the process, I realized I had one of the ones that you mentioned, John, the, the, the Amazon basics one that says HDMI and ethernet or something. And it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that's also 2.1. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And how did I know that everything was working properly, Dave? How do you know? Um, just little tip here. Uh, so one, the indicator on my receiver said, um, Dolby three slash two dot one, which is what I want, and right. then you know it gets downsampled, of course, since I don't have three dot three slash two dot one. Um, go to YouTube, whatever device that you have, go to YouTube and search for surround sound test. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of cool. I'm like, am I really getting surround? And it's like, yep. You know, ran this one video and it's like, here's the left speaker, here's the right speaker, here's the rear speaker, here's the um just make sure that whatever device you are using to play back from YouTube or wherever you're doing these speaker tests is capable of taking that full quality audio from YouTube and getting it all the way through to your receiver or you know speakers or whatever it is uh, and i say this because for example i have all of those tests in my plex library so that i don't have to search youtube i don't have to worry about you know an internet connection or anything i have them i can do all those tests i and i even have some for dolby atmos because i run atmos here if i run plex on my apple tv and then it goes apple tv to my lg television to my sonos arc which runs you know, all the, the Atmos part of things. I don't get Atmos. I get 7.1 LPCM, but all the metadata of Atmos gets filtered out in that process. If I run the Plex app on my TV uh, and it streams directly to my, my thing, so cutting the Apple TV out, I get full Atmos metadata. So just be aware of, of the, the path so that you're not troubleshooting the wrong thing. That's all. That's, you know. It's like like we were saying before, having all the data helps. <sighs> Fun. We got a lot of stuff to go through. Pete, uh, you want to tell us, since we're talking about audio and video and, and watching things, you had a cool stuff found that we really don't have time for, but I really want you to to share this with folks. So I, would you uh, please? I, yeah, it was, um, uh, it, there's, a, there's a cool little app uh, called Just Watch. So when you're looking for, oh, I want to see that, you know, I want to see um, plane strains and automobiles, or I want to see Animal House, you know, where is it? Is it on Amazon? Is it on Netflix? It, where is it? Just Watch app or justwatch.com. But the app is cool. Uh, put it in there and it will search across all those databases and tell you where it is. 
And my understanding is, I haven't tried this yet, but my understanding is you can set up alerts so that if something is going to come up, it will alert you when it becomes available. Amazing. Yeah. And you're, and you're right. I put in planes, trains, and automobiles here. It says, uh, it recommends that I can rent it for $3.99 on Apple TV in HD, or I can stream it if I have a Paramount Plus uh, subscription. And then it's got all other things. I could rent it not in HD from Amazon for a dollar less, you know, for two ninety nine or something. Mm. I can buy it on Apple TV for seven ninety nine. So you know, think about that too. I I have. It's funny. I've never used Just Watch for this reason. I started using it a couple of years ago when I was trying to find an app that would remind me of the things I was watching and just watch can also do that. Like you can create an account and, and, yeah. and do that. I found the next episode of Ozark is up it, or what have you. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, um, but even also like if I'm two seasons behind on Ozark, I can tell it that I've watched up through season two, episode three, and it'll tell me my next episode to watch is season two, episode four, uh, which is super handy. Except I don't like their interface for it. I found a different app called TV Time for that interface, but TV Time doesn't doesn't have this like here's where you will find things. So, um, so oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is I never knew that Just Watch did this because, like I said, when I found it, I was I was you know looking for a different lo- looking to solve a different trying to problem. solve a different problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fun stuff. Thank you for nice. for for taking us through that, Pilot Pete. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Hey, if you want to hear more from Pilot Pete, go to uh, so there I was dot us. That's Pete's new podcast. That's in. Are you in the top ten of aviation podcasts yet, or is, is that going to uh, well, happen? Well, soon? we were brief. We we bounced in and out of there. Um, we we were up to number three in Canada at one point, and amazing. Two days ago, we were in the top twenty in the United States, Canada, and Australia. Yeah, you're doing something uh, so right there. We're having a man. lot of fun with it. One of our upcoming shows is going to be a True Lies show. It's the pilots who flew in the movie True Lies are going to be on. Amazing. Um, yeah, we're trying to schedule that now. Uh, Happy Birthday, Yogi. It was one of my favorite shows. That was a couple weeks ago. Most recent show is, sir, don't eat the donuts. Hey, don't want to eat, don't the, eat the brown donuts. Those those were laced well, with something. These, yeah, well, these are these are donuts you don't want to eat either. Okay, <laughs> fair. Uh, I will I will ask you all because I, what's the reason that, the reason that you're charting is you've got a great show, but it's also because the way Apple's charts work is it's based on the number of people that have have subscribed in Apple Podcasts recently. And there's a formula to, to prioritize, you know, today's uh, uh, subscriptions over, you know, weight them higher than, say, you know, two weeks ago or something like that. But that's Apple's formula. So if you are not subscribed to Mac Geek Gab in Apple podcasts, I would love for you to do that for us. Even if you're listening in Overcast or somewhere else, just go to Apple podcasts and subscribe. And I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That's super easy for me to put there for you. And we'd we'd love for you to do that because it it does help us rank and and that's you know, don't that's, forget to go to the bottom and throw a five star on there. Uh, even then, you know. that's true. Yeah. But I'll just I'll take the subscribe for now because ratings, believe it or not, they're great. We love your ratings, uh, and and yes, thank you. But they don't help the rankings. Ratings and rankings uh, for Apple are, are not together. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's social proof, right? So ratings are a good thing. When somebody comes to the show and they see zero ratings versus, you know, 500 or something, well, you know, that tells a different story. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it doesn't affect the rankings. Hey, one uh, other quick thing, Dave, just super quick. Uh, Plex sent out an email, and you should have gotten one if you have a Plex account. 
data breach, please reset your password, they're saying. So uh, it's, it's a bit of a process, but it uh, is. It was a they pain recommend in, you do that. It was a pain in the neck to re-log yes, all my it devices might, in. I had to reclaim my server. Same. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, that was surprising. That's right. Yeah, good call, though. Yeah, thank you for reminding people of that. Yeah, everybody's having breaches. I got something from uh, LastPass, though they claim that no data That's was. not a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thanks for checking out our sponsors. You can read about all our sponsors and including past sponsors whose deals have yet to expire at uh, MacGeekHub.com slash sponsors. And then uh, specifically from this episode, of course, LinkedIn.com slash MGG, NordVPN.com slash MGG, Coda.io slash MGG, and MacSales.com for all your fun stuff. John! I started this out with a quick tip. Do you have something of equal or greater value to share with our friends who have been listening? Yes, I do. And that's one piece of advice. And that is don't get caught. That's some good advice. Oh, I cut it off. I, you know, I pushed the wrong buttons or I, who knows what, whatever, whatever. <laughs>